It is clearer and clearer to me that the entire gospel drama is lived out in your marriage. And once you get that, it gives you a whole new way of thinking about uh, how do we live together in a marriage of unity, understanding, and love. Let me explain this. So here's the dark side of the gospel drama. It's sin, selfishness, and idolatry. If, if you would ask me why the trouble in marriage, I would say because we're sinners. Uh, that we, the th most dangerous thing in my marriage is not that I'm married to another sinner. I carried it in myself. It's, it's my sin. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Paul Tripp. Paul is an author, a former pastor, and the president of Paul Tripp Ministries. He's also the best-selling author of many books, including Marriage, Six Gospel Commitments Every Couple Needs to Make. Today, Paul and I discuss how the gospel comes to bear on the day-to-day -day realities of marriage and why that's more than just a platitude. He reflects on important but sometimes painful lessons he's learned from decades of marriage to his wife, Luella. He shares some of the most common marriage questions he's been asked over the years, years of teaching marriage seminars and counseling hundreds of couples. And he offers some practical advice for spouses who are struggling to communicate in a way that honors God and each other. Let's get started. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. So how long have you and your wife, Luella, been married? So it's hard for me to imagine that this is true, but <laughs> this year, 2021, we will celebrate 50 years of marriage. Wow, 50 um, years. I look back on that and I, I think how good God has been in his presence and grace and wisdom to us. I asked Luella to marry me at 17. Hmm. Uh, I think I knew little about love, little about relationships, uh, little about the depth and glory of God's grace hadn't really understood the practical nature of God's wisdom in Scripture. And so we feel incredibly blessed. Uh, we were engaged for three years, and I was 20 when we got, got married. Hmm. And uh, we are not marriage heroes. Uh, Lowell and I are not marriage experts. Uh, we are the products of incalculable grace and uh, wisdom that is so deep it has no bottom. Mm. Uh, and because that we're very thankful, we, we today continue to work on our marriage because um, between the already of our conversion and the not yet of our home going, we, are, we still are sinners in need of, of God's grace. And that sin rears its ugly head, but we have huge hope because we've seen God's grace in operation. Hmm. How did you first meet? You said you, you got engaged at 17. So were you, you know, dating a little bit before that? No, I, I first saw Luella in a lunch line my very first year of college. 
And I stared at her. She felt uncomfortable. <laughs> I was determined I was going to find out who this person was and get to know her. And uh, when I first asked her for a date, she informed me that she was not interested in a serious relationship. She had been in one and had been hurt. And so, but she accepted. And when the date was over, she told me not to ask her out again. And I did. And she said she would uh, agree to another date and told me not to ask her again. And I did. And we continued that <laughs> way for a while. Uh, when I told her that I loved her some months down the road, her response to me was, what? You love me? What do you know about love? Don't ever say that to me again. <laughs> uh, I mean, she was right. I, I knew little about love. Uh, but it was there, there in college that we we met. And we were married between our junior and senior year of college. And what was that like being in school still and being a married couple? Not not super common, at least not today. Yeah, it was it was uh both wonderful and and stressful. That first year Luella had a very serious auto accident and injured her back and so for a period of that time, she was in in bed rest, and uh, but on the other hand, to be uh, learning together was such a, a vibrant and exciting experience, and so we were we we're thankful that we could do that. Yeah, in our last conversation for this show, uh, we talked about leadership in the church, local church leadership, pastoral ministry, and even more specifically, the leadership community that surrounds uh, the pastor. And um, you kind of jokingly said in that conversation that all of your books are kind of just about the gospel, uh, but in applying it in different ways in different areas of our lives. Um, so, so maybe start to do that for us for marriage. Unpack um, how it is that the gospel does impact our marriages. I, I think that sounds really good to all of us, um, but I think sometimes the question is, how do I actually start to think about that so let me give you the big picture first. It, it is clearer and clearer to me that the entire gospel drama is lived out in your marriage. And once you get that, it gives you a whole new way of thinking about mm. uh, how do we live together in a marriage of unity, understanding, and love. Let me explain this. So here's the dark side of the gospel drama. It's sin, selfishness, and idolatry. If, if you would ask me why the trouble in marriage, I would say because we're sinners. Uh, that we, the th most dangerous thing in my marriage is not that I'm married to another sinner. I carried it in myself. It's, it's my sin. And what does sin do to me? Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that uh, Jesus came so that those who live would no longer live for themselves. That the DNA of sin is selfishness. It's I want what I want, and I want it now, and I, I want people to deliver to me, and it's it's me in the center of my universe. Listen, I still struggle with that. Uh, I still get occasionally irritated in traffic when people have the audacity to be in my way. I mean, that's <laughs> that's all of us. It, who cannot relate to that? And And so many of the arguments in marriage, the disagreements in marriage, are just selfishness. Uh, 
You didn't respond the way I wanted to respond. You didn't give me the thing that I wanted. You weren't on time when I wanted you on time. You don't think the way that I think. Uh, and then the third thing is idolatry. It's, it's that we're worshipers. And that means something is always capture, captures my heart. And what captures my heart controls my behavior. And in marriage, things rise in levels of importance way beyond the true importance. And then they control my words and responses. Winning an argument becomes too important. Hmm. Getting my way becomes too important. Uh, you thinking that I'm great becomes too important. And, and so uh, you get at those three things. You just start to get at the heart of why you struggle. It, I mean, imagine if every husband asked the question, what is too important right now for me in my marriage? What if every wife asked that I think couples just asking that single question would get at the heart of much of their struggle. That's the, the dark news of mm. the gospel. Here's yeah. the good news. It's God's rescuing grace, uh, the identity that we have in Christ, and an unending font of forgiveness. Now, rescue and grace means this, that I'm not in this struggle in marriage by myself. God is rescuing me, well, you got to hear this, from me. Uh, that's what it means when Jesus came, so that those who live no longer live for myself. My greatest danger to me is me. And so uh, I can be excited that there's help for me in my marriage. It's not just this mountain of, of glorious principles. And I look at that and think, I'll never be able to do those things. Yeah. God meets me there. Every one of God's commands is accompanied by his grace. Or the commands would just devastate us. It's my identity in Christ that I am in him and he is in me. And in him, I really do have everything I need for life and godliness. Now, this means I don't have to look to my wife or my husband for identity. Luella loves me, but she doesn't wake up in the morning and say, how can I give Paul identity today? Nor did my children, nor does my work, nor do my possessions. None of those things will ever work to give me identity. Once I have my identity settled, then I can, I can love you without uh, being titled to something from you that distorts the whole relationship. Hmm. I, I, think, I think much of what we call romance is just self-oriented identity seeking. And man, if, if you say the right things to me, I feel great and I feel like I can live today. Wow, what a burden for marriage. And then forgiveness, that there's constant flow of forgiveness because you will mess up. You'll say things you shouldn't say. You'll do things that you shouldn't do. But if there's forgiveness, then we should not be afraid of the other person saying, you know, that wasn't really not very nice what you just did. Or we should not be afraid of confession. Uh, loving confrontation and loving conf confession can live and allow us to grow and to change. Now, in the dark side of the gospel, I've described all the problems that we all face. In the bright side of the gospel, I've described all the help that we need. 
And once you get a hold of that, then it sets you on a new trajectory in your marriage that's really very practical. Hmm. So then how does that contrast with the advice, marriage advice that uh, you you notice that you are seeing most commonly in books and, you know, in seminars and maybe even therapists, you know, how does that differ from what is often the norm? Well, the, the problem is all of that counsel, well, I, I, I'm going to say all of it. A good portion of that counsel is biblical and wise and should be followed. But everything God tells me to do is rooted in what he has done for me. Because the Ten Commandments, I stand before the Ten Commandments. They're a spiritual Mount Everest for me. I have no ability to do that. I don't even often have the desire to do it, do those things. So I need to understand how God meets me in those moments, what he provides for me so that I can mm. do those things. It's identity precedes doing. And, and that's the message that was, was missing. For example, uh, my whole ability to hear Luella's critique of me is rooted in my knowledge that there's nothing that she could ever expose in me that hasn't already been forgiven by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That gives me hope. It gives me courage. It gives me the ability to listen. I mean, you know, I'm sure you're like me, and everyone who's hearing this is like me. When somebody begins to confront you, your chest tightens, you start arguing in your mind for your defense, your ears redden. That's a natural response of a sinner. What's going to get me beyond that is the gospel. I don't have to defend me because Jesus has paid the penalty for the darkest parts of me. And, and listen, you just can't preach that gospel to yourself enough. You just can't. Mm, yeah. Uh, and you need it every day. I, I wrote a gospel devotional because I think that we forget. And we, every day we need that reminder. So what would you say to the person who's hearing that and, and says, yeah, yeah, that's right, but isn't that a little bit simplistic? Isn't, isn't, aren't our marriages more complex than that and the relationship dynamics that we're experiencing more complex than that? It's not enough just to say, um, think carefully, apply, believe the gospel in, in your marriage. But things like forgiveness, confession, uh, belief in the sovereignty of God who has brought us together even though we're different. Those beliefs are the way of, are the ladder that takes us down into the complexities of our marriage. Listen, if, if you cannot ever talk honestly to one another, if you have a closet full of taboo topics, you will not ever deal with the complexities of your marriage. Hmm. It's when you can open that closet and have those things fall down on your at your feet and sit down together and begin to pull them apart that you can actually get at all those complexities. Of course marriage is complex. This 24-hour 
a day, seven day a week marriage? Of course it is. Two personalities raised in different cultural backgrounds, raised with different assumptions about life, uh, wired with different personalities by God. Of course it's complex. The gospel gives us a way of getting at those complexities. Mm-hmm. So do you and your wife have any maybe tangible habits or just rhythms aimed at helping you to keep your marriage centered on the gospel uh, kind of throughout the ups and downs of everyday life? I think that probably the, the, the one that is the been the most constant in our marriage is that little thing that's said in Ephesians 4, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That we should go to bed at night angry. We should go to bed at night with unsettled disputes. Uh, sometimes one of the other of us is stubborn, and before we get in bed, they'll say, you know, we really need to talk about today. But it's been a huge rescue because what happens is when you don't do that, then you meditate on that more. And as you meditate it more, it connects you to other things that have happened. And all of a sudden, the suitcase gets more and more full, and you get more and more hurt and more and more bitter. And it is, it is exactly what Paul means when he says you're giving the devil an opportunity. Uh, it, it is distressing when that happens. And so it's such a... Uh, a wise grace to us that God says, just set up before you go to bed. Have that Mm. conversation. Wake up in the morning with a fresh slate. Uh, And as you have that conversation, it's humbling and sometimes mortifying, but you remember why you love this person and why you want a good relationship with them. Because in a marriage, you're building a legacy of good thoughts about the person you're married to, or you're building a legacy of bad thoughts about that person. And couples come to the point because they haven't dealt with things uh, quickly where they say, I just don't really respect this person anymore. I just don't really want to live with them. It would it would have been capable for Luella to say that to me because I'm a bit of a mess. <laughs> but God's rescued us from that. And that's allowed the brighter things about us uh, to shine rather than those dark things. Mm-hmm. It's probably a cliche, but one of the biggest areas of struggle for many couples would have to be the issue of just communication in general. Uh, one person says something or doesn't say something a certain way, and the other person interprets it a certain way, and before long, at least one party, maybe both people, are feeling confused or hurt or upset. Um, so maybe help, help us think through, almost as a case study, how does the gospel apply to the issue of communication with our spouse? You know, the, uh, again, there's these little phrases in, in Scripture, and the Bible says to only speak in a way that gives grace to the hearer. Uh, irritated, inflammatory, impatient language shuts down communication. And so there are times when I want to talk, I shouldn't talk. 
I should go someplace and pray, get myself in a place where I'm able to talk because the important things that need to be said will be clouded by the way I want to say them. Hmm. I mean, that's just incredibly. Uh, give grace to the hearers means I want to speak in a way that helps you, that moves you along, that uh, helps you to, to operate at your best, that helps you to remember God's presence in this moment that's tough for us. Uh, you know, when this is universally true, you have never had a conversation where somebody has gotten up in your face, maybe so close you can feel their breath, and said hurtful, inflammatory things. You've never had that conversation walked away and said, boy, that was helpful. I feel so loved. I've learned so much. We should do that again. <laughs> you don't want that to ever happen again. And what you remember in that conversation is a manner. You remember the harshness. You remember the attitude. Perhaps the things that really needed to be communicated are lost in the process. I think it happens again and again in marriage. And just that, again, uh, if I would give this person in this conversation the same grace that God has given me, how different this moment of communication would be. Hmm. Yeah. Are there any other common questions that you've received over the years, uh, speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of couples? You know, what are the, the key things that have kind of come up again and again? I, I think the one of the things that, that people struggle with is the vast difference between them and their spouse. And sure, there are gender things there that are the, the wonder of God's creation, but uh, you know, take my my uh, marriage for example. I was wa- raised in the white bread boredom of Toledo, Ohio. Luella was raised in the exotic environs of Placetas, Cuba. Uh, so we are we are incredibly different, and again, this is where the truth of the gospel helps us that when Paul is in Athens and he's describing how God relates to his creation, it says, it says that God determines the exact place where we will live and the exact length of our days. Uh, God actually writes your story. And so God has written by his sovereign plan, uh, Luella from Cuba and Paul Tripp, together. This is not a massive mistake. This is a choice by a God who's the definition of what is wise and good and loving and faithful and true. And so that tells me that God means these differences not to plague us and discourage us, but to produce good in us. Uh, one of the things I talk about as I write about marriage is dealing with those differences with appreciation and grace. Uh, no one has been more influential in my life than Luella. 
No one has opened my eyes to things I would have never seen if it weren't for Luella. Whether it's eating things I never thought I would eat, to enjoying things I've never thought I would enjoy, to thinking in ways I never thought I would think. That's what's supposed to happen. Now, is that easy? No. It's hard when the person next to you has a seemingly unexplainable response to something so different than what you would ever have. It's what you do with that that then makes the difference. And I think it's incredibly helpful to understand that the one who wrote us together means that for good, means that to be part of the work of change that he is working in us. I want to say one other thing about all that we've talked about. What the gospel teaches us is that almost always change is a process and not an event. And so patience is the name of the game in marriage. Uh, You don't build a healthy marriage by having one honest conversation. Uh, it's, It's constant planting good seeds and pulling out bad weeds and planting good seeds and pulling out... And you look back and all of a sudden you have mature, a mature marriage that's a garden you never thought you'd experience, but it's been, it's been long, patient, daily work. Isn't that how God works in our lives? He forgives us, draws us into relationship with him, and then he rolls up his divine sleeves and begins to work on us. And I don't know about anybody listening, but I'm quite aware I'm not a grace graduate yet. God is still patiently working on me, and I'm thankful that he is. And so that same patience is needed in marriage. Hmm. Speak to the the person listening right now. Maybe this is a couple or just a a single spouse uh, who perhaps fears that the weeds uh, are are coming back at a significantly faster rate than the good fruit. and uh, maybe he just feels discouraged and a little bit uncertain. Uh, are, are there a few questions for like self-assessment that you would recommend that that person ask him or herself or maybe ask as a couple together? See, I, I, I think this. If, if communication is impossible for you, if reaching a solution to problems is impossible for you, If you fantasize about not being married, get help. Get help. There comes a point where you are so distraught and you're so confused and so dismayed that you can't be objective about your marriage. And this is why God has blessed us with the body of Christ. Marriage isn't meant to live in isolation from the essential ministries of the body of Christ. Get help. And be willing to open yourself up so that somebody can lead you from where you are to where you need to be. Because we know God's grace is sufficient. We know his strength is made perfect in our weakness. What we need is someone who will help us to apply that grace to the things that we're now going through. Uh, mm. I just I just think you come to a point where you can't do it yourself and mm. you just need, need help. 
Has there been an older couple or an older Christian who's kind of played that role uh, in your life over the years? We were blessed by the fact that we had uh, my brother Ted preceded us in in marriage, my sister Barbara Jo, and we just got lots of wisdom uh, from them. Uh, I. I can remember many, many times talking to my brother Ted. I can remember times when Ted saw things and didn't wait for me to talk to him and mm-hmm. would would share wisdom uh, with me. So I, I think it's incredibly important to find those those mature people. And if there are pastors listening, find those mature people, couples in your congregation, mobilize them for ministry to younger married couples. Uh, there's no way that a staff of a church, no matter how small or large that church is, is going to be able to deal with all the marriage needs in a given week of the life of that church. Find those mature couples who have lived together for a long time, who have learned how to apply the gospel of God's grace to their marriage, mobilize them to help younger couples. Why wait for the trouble to happen? Do that as a preventative. Teach couples early to make good choices so that they don't get to that point where they're in such despair they don't know what to do. Hmm. Maybe as a last question, if, if you could go back in time, 50 years uh, to the day before your wedding, uh, to your wife Luella, and uh, tell yourself something, uh, what would you want to say? Uh, Paul, your biggest problem will never be Luella. It will be you. Hmm. And if you accept that, if you accept how much you have the potential to mess up marriage because of your sin, because of your selfishness, because of your idolatry, man, I, I became a very ag- angry man in our marriage. I was in the process of destroying my life, my ministry, and my marriage, and God rescued me. And I wish... What I now know, I had known. I wish somebody had been able to help me to understand that my biggest problem would be me. Hmm. And if I have a commitment to continue to work on me, to continue to be open to Luella's view of me, to believe that God's grace is sufficient, uh, boy, if you can do that, there's hope for your marriage. Hmm. Hmm. Praise God. Um, Thank you so much, Paul, for talking with us today and uh, providing some true gospel hope and encouragement for all of us in our marriages. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time. That's been an honor. That was Paul Tripp on cultivating a healthy marriage founded on the gospel. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, Marriage, Six Gospel Commitments Every Couple Needs to Make, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, which helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.